You're listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform. Welcome to the show. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and you're listening to episode 193. A special thanks to one of our fans who's been helping with the intros that you've been hearing, and that's Dimitri Vasilaros. Dimitri, thank you very much for lending us your voice to introduce this great show. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Jamie Stigmeyer of Stonemaier Games. Jamie, thank you again for being on the show with me. It's awesome to do these episodes. Like I said, they always are like the number top rated, top listened to. People love you. So I appreciate you being here. Well, thanks for saying that. I'm happy to be back. Yes. So uh, lots of lots of things are going on. You have um, – the reason – I, I kind of have a, a single objective here I wanted to talk about. I want to talk about you. And I want to talk about you have a Kickstarter project that's about to launch called – well, I'm not sure what it's called. Tuscany something. Yeah, it's called uh, Tuscany Expand the World of Viticulture. Um, it's so, coming up on Kickstarter on March 12th. Okay, and so uh, – Viticulture is your was your first Kickstarter project that you posted uh, two years ago. Yeah, it was in uh, August of, of 2012. That was when we when when I uh, got my my feet wet with with viticulture. So that was a it's a worker placement wine making game. You manage and control a uh, a winery, right? Right. You you yeah. Player, it's a worker placement Euro style game where players uh, manage a vineyard in Tuscany. Um, hence the name of the new game. Um, and I was hoping to, today, Richard. It, I guess I, I don't want to come on here and, and self promote Tuscany, but I would like to talk about the greater picture of um, what a Kickstarter creator can do. A successful Kickstarter creator can do to leverage that success for a future project. Because I think we see a lot of. Repeat, repeat project creators on Kickstarter. So uh, before we get into that, tell me about Tuscany itself so people understand what this is. Sure. So Tuscany is an expansion pack to Viticulture. Um, so you, you need Viticulture to play Tuscany, but once you have that, uh, the first time you open the Tuscany box, uh, you'll find eight expansions inside the box, um, which is a little overwhelming. And so the way we structured the game is it's a legacy-style game, and that plays off a concept uh, that uh, many people are familiar with it's from a game called Risk Legacy, where new elements of the game are unlocked the longer that you play the game. And, and just to be so, clear, not the longer uh, that you play the game in one setting. Right, right. The yeah, longer you uh, play the game over time. So we're going to play the game this week, and then we're going to play it next week, and next week something gets unlocked, and then we're going to play it a month from now, and, and a month from now something else gets unlocked. So it's not actually during the gameplay itself. Exactly. Yeah. The, the legacy term kind of refers to elements of a game that carry over kind of permanent changes that you're making to the game itself. With Risk Legacy, that equates to putting stickers on the board and writing on the board and, and like physically changing the, the board and the cards in the game. And the rule book. Tuscany. It actually changes the And the rule, the rule book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in Tuscany, that just uh, the only uh, equivalent is that you're unlocking new expansions. So the first time you'll play, you'll unlock one expansion, and then you'll play a few more times, and the winner of the last game that you play will unlock a new expansion. So you kind of unravel the game in an order that's unique to your copy of the game, and you it also like it lets you play the same game but with different expansions unlocked with different groups at the same time. Uh, and one thing I should answer. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. uh -huh. No, go ahead. Oh, 
one thing I should emphasize uh, um, that sometimes confuses people when I describe it is it's not a modular game in that when you play Tuscany, you don't pick and choose which expansions you want in it. Every time you unlock an expansion, it's a permanent addition to the game. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And and this rest, this legacy concept, uh, Risk Legacy, came out a couple of years ago, and I think they created a unique award just for that game because it was oh, yeah. right. It's so different. Um, this concept of uh, tearing things up, and now uh, the Risk Legacy designer is here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, will be joining us for one of our unpub conferences in May to help game designers yeah. learn how to do game design. And I've understood cool. he's coming out with another legacy type game, not based on a previous intellectual property. So looking forward to that. Yeah. Rob Davia, yeah, he's coming out with a game called Seafall, hopefully in 2014. Cool, cool. Okay. So now people know what Tuscany is and you're launching it on Kickstarter. Let's talk. Yeah. You wanted to talk about not necessarily the game and the Kickstarter campaign, but kind of a, a bigger picture here of as a business owner who's built your business on the success of Kickstarter, how you are now leveraging this Kickstarter phenomenon to continue to expand and build your business. Right, right. Yeah, I, I ran a Kickstarter campaign for Viticulture, and then I, I tried to build upon that um, with my campaign for Euphoria, which raised about five times as much as Viticulture and had about five times as many backers. Um, and so I'm trying to... Tuscany is a little bit of a different animal because it's, it's an expansion to a previous game. It's not a completely new product. Um, so I've, I've tried to do a few things to continue to, uh, I guess, build trust and build an audience so that uh, I guess I'm not assuming that people are going to show up just because I've already created a successful Kickstarter project. Does that make sense? It does, but I'm not sure I agree with you. But yes, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've seen some projects and, and let me name one because I mentioned it on the blog before, and I really respect uh, I, I, I respect these guys. I think they're doing great work. Um, there's a company called Greater Than Games. They're here in St. Louis. Um, they are known for a, a line of games called the Sentinels of the Multiverse. Yes. Incredibly successful. Yes. A line of games. They've been on Kickstarter with that, I think, three times. And last year, around this time, they launched a campaign for a new game. Um, I'm blanking on the name right now, but uh, it was a brand new product line. It wasn't Sentinels of the Multiverse. And I've talked with Paul Bender, the, their kind of director of operations over there, and he was a little – I think he said they didn't fully go they, – they kind of assumed that everybody from Sentinels would show up for uh, for the new the new game. And they kind of – they laxed on a few areas of the campaign. And it did well. It funded – I think it funded around $70,000, $80,000. But I think Paul acknowledges that if he had treated it as a brand new product line and um, didn't assume that everyone was going to show up for it, that it probably would have done much better. And so I've tried to, I've kept that lesson in mind uh, for you, for you, and now especially for Tuscany, right? I just, I don't want to assume that people are going to show up just because they, they like Euphoria or they like what I've done in the past. Okay, so let's talk about then. What assumptions did you not make? Because of that, what, what things, so there's some decisions you've made then about how you're bringing this product out. This product could be, you could be any company right now, your third product that you're using Kickstarter to continue to fund your business. Mm -hmm. um, so, and what you're saying is, is just don't assume that because a customer came through the doors of your Kickstarter project that they're going to come through the doors for your next one. So what have you done then to not make those assumptions? I guess that doesn't sound right, but I know what I'm saying. Hopefully <laughs> listeners know what I'm saying too. Well, part of what I've done is I've treated Tuscany, 
I've, I've approached the design of the Tuscany campaign as if I'm starting from ground zero, as if I don't have uh, any previous backers. Okay, for Just example. For the design of the campaign. So, for example. Um, for example, I tried to price it very fairly. I tried to get third-party reviewers to review the game in advance. I've tried to really feature beautiful art on the campaign page. Um, Wouldn't you do that? Oh, so are you saying that if you that you could have possibly not done that because you just would assume, hey, I could just put mediocre effort into this because everybody's going to show up? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. So you, yeah. you, you've maintained a high quality as if you're trying to convince and sell this person, not sell them the product, but sell them on the fact that you are putting high quality into this and that you're just not – you're just not stepping up to the gravy train and expecting them to show up and give you money. Exactly. exactly. Okay. And I think that's actually something that even new product creators kind of need to keep in mind. Don't assume that your friends and family are going to show up and be the wave that helps you ride through the success. Don't, don't assume that anyone is going to show up. I tell people a rule of thumb, and it is completely unscientific, 10%. 10%. If you know 10 people, one of them is going to step up. And that sounds about right to me. Yeah, and that's it's completely un. Uh, there's no data to back that up other than just gut and every like you. Okay, so right. you, you've that's one thing you've done. You've invested the same level of quality as you have the other projects, even though this is a, a follow-on project. Okay, what else have you right. done then to kind of play this this meta? You know, this is phase three of a of a of a, of a plan here. What else have you done? Well, it, I think. Um, our past successes play a big role in how people perceive our future projects. And so um, delivering on past promises, I think, has been uh, pretty instrumental. And by that, for the most part, I, I refer to Euphoria because it's the most recent in, in the past. I tried to create a, a beautiful project that people would treasure, a, a beautiful game that people would treasure, and that they would get it on time. They would get it when I said they would get it. Um, that I communicated with them throughout the project. So I, I think a lot of it is, um, I, I think kind of the things that you want to do anyway, but I think those delivery on past promises really plays into the chances of success of a future project because people are going to weigh you by your past successes and your past behavior. And, and I'm feeling that pressure uh, as I get ready to, to launch a new Kickstarter campaign for this show itself. Um, I'm mm -hmm. aware that two years ago, I am still working on the fulfillment of a project that I launched two years ago. Now, it was only a couple of thousand dollars, and it was for a, a documentary. It has proven right. to be, on the shoestring budget that I allocated, it's been proven to be very difficult to get it done. And so I still have it. We're still working on it, yet I still haven't delivered it even after two years. And it's made me very self-conscious about the fact that I'm going back to ask people to give me money again for something that I haven't – and I still haven't finished the one I, I promised over such a long period of time ago, I could I could have stepped right. up and said, "Well, they've all forgotten. I don't have to worry about it." But I don't think they've forgotten because I know I haven't. At the same time, I, I at the same time I think there's a third point that is to your advantage, and hopefully I think to my advantage a little bit, which is even if you didn't, if you, even if you haven't quite delivered on the promises for that project, you've done other things in the meantime. Um, to continue to give value to a large audience of people through your podcast. And I've tried to do the same through my Kickstarter Lessons blog. 
which people um, can find at StoneMeyerGames.com, by the way, just, uh, which is, right. and I think you've got 80 some odd, uh, blog entries there that are very specific, not game specific, but very Kickstarter specific on how to be successful. Exactly. And you have, uh, like that, you have almost 200 podcast, podcast yep. episodes now about Kickstarter. We've continued to create this content, um, not necessarily because we, we, I guess my motivation for creating content isn't because people will someday back my Kickstarter campaign. Right. I genuinely enjoy the content. But I think that content is an extra nudge for many people. I've gotten a number of notes from people who don't even play games and they, they find the Kickstarter camp, they find the Kickstarter lessons and they say, hey, I'm so appreciative that, that you've taken the time to put these lessons out there to help me achieve my dream that when you put another game out there, I'm going to back it. I don't, I don't even care about games. I'm going to back it anyway. Well, there you go. And that's just a lot to me. Yes. Yeah. It's a rep. You're, you're, I've always said that Kickstarter is the monetization of reputation. Yeah, well said. I like that. Be- because, right? The, they don't know if you put out a good game. They just know that you're a good guy and you do good right. stuff. And so, yes, that reputation is out there. So, okay. So you. So now we're going to give some advice. Um, we've got about uh, about four or five minutes here. Uh, we're going to give some advice then to people who are listening, saying, okay. For example, a uh, previous guest, uh, Cynthia Landon, who's doing meeple source, uh, character meeples, great project. She's going like gangbusters. And one of the things I told her was, okay, you need to start planning your next Kickstarter campaign right now. Right. And she's, and she's like, yeah. what are you talking about? I am buried. But <laughs> she's making decisions right now, and you have touched on this numerous times, that will impact future, just like your Tuscany expansion pack you just talked about, that it'll right. – that okay, what are you going to be able to unlock because of decisions you made now, unlock in the future? And so to tie this back in, you are doing things now with Tuscany and the Kickstarter campaign because of things that you unlocked previously. And what are some of those things that you unlocked? Because people listening are at different stages. Some of them have had a successful Kickstarter and now they're approaching their second one and they want to know what do they do differently. Some are, right. are approaching from their first um, what advice do you tell them now? Make these decisions now so that you can unlock this opportunity in the future. What, what, what's that advice? Well, I think a lot of it is um, trying not to, to, to leave, to build bridges and leave the doors open instead of closing doors. What, how do you close um, a door? How do you close a door? So a, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about exclusives and the impact that Kickstarter exclusives happen, uh, have on your brand. Um, so one of the things I've learned from the past is not to – exclusives to me, closed doors. Early bird pledge levels, closed doors. I'd rather open doors. I, I want to leave projects open to people. I want, I want uh, fewer exclusives so that people can, can join in and be engaged in the products that we're kickstarting, even if they don't find out about the Kickstarter project in time. And I, I think I'm doing some things with Tuscany so that um, – there's still a reason that some rather large reasons for backers to support Tuscany and Kickstarter instead of waiting for it to hit retail. Um, but at the same time, not closing those doors with, with exclusive content. Okay. Are there any other doors to open or doors to close in this metaphor, little metaphor we're using here? Um, we talked a little bit about in the past about the money back guarantee that we offer, but I've seen other projects Explain, that, explain that, because it's been a year or so ago since we talked uh, about that true. one. Explain that one. Yeah, so the, the, 
something that we offer is if you get one of our games, if you back it on Kickstarter, so this is a Kickstarter exclusive. The only way you get this is if you back the Kickstarter campaign. And six months later, you get your copy of Tuscany, and you open it up, and you're like, wow, this is not what I realized it was going to be. Um, Jamie didn't follow through on his promise since he didn't deliver a beautiful product. Uh, for whatever reason, no questions asked, you can return Tuscany to, to us within one month of receiving it. So there is a time limit on it. You can't just keep it for five years and then return it on a whim. This but, isn't Nordstrom. You can't do that. This isn't. <laughs> right. Nordstrom, you can do that. <laughs> but uh, so for Euphoria, I, I've offered this for Viticulture and Euphoria. For Viticulture, um, not a single person asked for a uh, asked to, to use the money back guarantee. Uh, with Euphoria, out of 4,700 some backers, two people asked for it, and I, of course, I, I said yes. I didn't ask them questions. I didn't make it. I, I kind of, kind of welcomed it. I, I encouraged it when, when they emailed me, and I said, "Yeah, this is how you do it. You just send the game back to me. I'll send you your money back, your pledge." And I think that your question was, "How do you, how do you keep these doors open for future projects?" And I think that's a huge way of, of building trust and telling people, "Hey, you know, I believe in this so much, and I'm going to follow through on my promises that." But I'm, I'm going to offer this this money back guarantee to you. Uh, okay, I think those are I think those are great um, great insights. We're out of time, but I think uh, that kind of helps people understand that it's not just throw it up there, take the money, and 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 then you're done. That there's a longer term for, thing for you to think about. I'm sure there's right. much more. So if people want more information, they go to StoneMeyerGames.com, and you've got. All that great – it's just tons of great content. It's over. It's not overwhelming. It's intimidating sometimes how much knowledge has been in your head that you've been able to put down on paper or on digital paper to uh, share yeah. with people. So I, I know I'm very appreciative of it because I learn stuff when I go out and read it. I even read it. When I, when I prepare for a product, when I prepare for Tuscany, I went through and read all of my own Kickstarter lessons to make sure I was following my own advice. I hear you. I hear you. And uh, when I get ready to launch mine, I'm coming to you for some consultation, which we talked about in our last episode. All right, Jamie, thanks so much for uh, joining me again on the show. Thanks, Richard. For me. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform. I've been joined by my co-host, Jamie Stegmeyer from Stonemeyer Games. I'm Richard Bliss. I know you've heard something inspiring. Jamie always brings his A-game uh, when he comes to share information with us. And uh, you can find that at StoneMeyerGames.com. You can find more information about me at RichardABliss.com. We appreciate you listening and making us part of your life as you go about your day. Thanks for joining us. Take care.